Welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. I'm Kyle Brost, a strategist and changemaker. I'm the CEO of Spark Policy Institute, founder and principal at Choice Strategy Group, and contributor to Forbes, Thrive Global, and Influencer. I lead at the intersection of strategy and impact, where I turn ordinary individuals into strategists and changemakers. Let's get started. Hey folks, this is Kyle Brost here with another episode of the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. Today we have on with us Kaz Marte, who is the founder of Conbody. You may have heard about it. Uh, his story got a lot of attention um, because he developed this program, his workout program, while serving a prison sentence um, and then brought it out into the world and has found it to be really unique and effective for helping people achieve fitness, achieve fitness goals, get the body that they want. Uh, so his program uses a lot of military boot camp techniques and then some additional kind of secrets that he developed himself. And the goal is that they can be completed anywhere, anytime. So he has this, this truly unique story about how he developed his program and really just his life experience that brought him to the point that he is. So Kaz, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to, to have this conversation and to chat with you. So obviously, you're the founder of Conbody. Tell us what else we should know about Kaz. Uh, I guess I'm like a, a therapist, a, <laughs> uh, a helper, um, and I, and I like to service people. Awesome. And how did you get to this point? What led to you, you know, creating Conbody to becoming this helper, this person who's really focused on helping others achieve goals? Um, I mean, I, I, I it's been a, a crazy roller coaster ride. Um, I, I came out of the prison system almost six years ago now. Uh, and when I came home, it was, uh, it was a struggle to just find employment, read that back into society, see, uh, just see all the changes and the, the, you know, the world move a hundred miles per hour. And I'm like, it felt like I was left back a little bit. But I was pretty optimistic on on Reed trying to take everything uh, one step at a time and and just take as much information and re try to catch up on life as quickly as possible. Um, I mean, primarily like just technology was just a, a huge shock, um, you know. And I, I went in when there were flip phones and came out when there were touchscreen phones and mm. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all this stuff, and and it was just a whole a whole new world, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride and a learning experience. So, what was the shift? I mean, you spent six years uh, in you know in the system. Yeah. What was the mindset shift? How did that happen? Um, I mean, my my mindset, you know, after so I've been in and out of the jail and prison system since I was thirteen, and so my mindset now at, at at that point was that I, I didn't want to go back. Um, at that time I, I was, I was sentenced to seven years in prison and, and I had my son. Um, so as soon as I went in, I was like, look at this is the last time I was facing 12 to 24 years. Uh, they were giving me kingpin charges and I got a eight, eight, they was trying to give me a one felony. I copped out to eight felony, which is like the highest charge you could get. Um, and so I, 
I was there and I was I was just tired of dealing with the same system and a revolving door and, and seeing, you know, the officers already know me. Um, and I, I guess it was pretty sad to be at that state, but my mentality was just like, I got a son now. Um, he doesn't deserve to have a dad that's incarcerated. Uh, so I wanted to come home, do the right thing. Um, but while I was incarcerated, I was still, you know, doing wrong things. I was dealing drugs inside, sneaking stuff in, and um, also, you know, I, uh, still running stuff from from the inside to the outside. And uh, it's just a whole the, the system didn't stop, even though my mentality uh, wanted it to change. I just didn't see an opportunity or a way out um, until I, I ended up in uh, solitary confinement. Um, I, I got into some altercation with an officer towards the end of my incarceration. And and at that point I was I was in a cell where I was in a 24 hour lockdown and and I was going through some stuff and, and I feel like I really had a spiritual awakening that, that really changed my, my whole mindset. Well, so that's, uh, you mentioned a couple of really interesting things. I mean, first off, you mentioned that you kind of you didn't want to keep doing it you didn't want to keep kind of sitting in this space and yet you felt like the system was keeping you there just the the environment that you were in all of the contributing factors even though maybe mentally you're like this isn't this isn't where i want to be but there's all these other things that kept you kind of in that space yeah so how did you finally break i mean you so you're in solitary confinement you have obviously a lot of time to think and process. How do you finally break out of that system? Um, I mean, at that at that time, so towards the end of my incarceration, I had about two months left. Um, I was about to come home. My, my son and my family just finished visiting me, and 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 I didn't go home. I ended up doing an extra year in prison uh, due to some altercation with an officer. And and that got me into uh, you know they 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 so this also basically threw me on a wall. Started searching me, um, started searching me aggressively, and I like jerked my body just a bit, and and he punched me behind my head, and he said, "Today's not the day. Don't fuck with me." And I, I he knocked me out. Um, I got up from the ground. I turned around on him, and as soon as I turned around on him, he pulled pulled the alarm. And once the whole alarm for the whole prison goes off, you better embrace for impact. So about a half a dozen officers come, they beat the crap out of me, batons, kick me, uh, they shackle me up, they throw me in, in solitary. And I was going crazy in there. You know, I, I, I it was not the first time I was in solitary, but it was, it was the first time, I, I guess I, I'd lied to my son. You know, I told them I was going home and I didn't go home. And because of the situation, the officer was saying that I was trying to attempt to assault him and I was going to face three more years in prison behind the situation on a new charge. And so I was stressed out of my mind. And, and when you're in solitary, you're in, I was in 24-hour lockdown, no one to speak to. All you basically do is just walk back and forth. And, um, and, and I started pacing back and forth in a, in a couple hours into solitary. Um, and also comes to my door. He opens up the slot where they feed you your food from. 
and he passes me a paper pen and an envelope and I and I quickly grabbed that um, and I felt a, a, a hope because I was like this is all right, I got this I'm gonna write this letter to my family I'm gonna try to get a lawyer I'm gonna try to get out of the situation um, I'm gonna I explain exactly what happened I wrote the whole huge I think I wrote like 10 pages and um and I enclosed it in this envelope and then I realized I had no stamp to send out this letter with I had no stamp to you know, send this message out to my family. And I, and I started stressing out. I, so I basically like started screaming, uh, banging my head on the wall. Didn't know what to do. Um, I felt hopeless. And, and it was not until my, my sister um, finds out that I was in solitary. And my sister's like extremely religious. Um, she's like, I, I, I say that she's like Mother Teresa's child. <laughs> um, but she writes me a letter and she tells me uh, everything's going to be okay. We found out you, you know, solitary. Um, all I want you to do is read Psalm 91 from the Bible. And I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in religion. I'm still not a super like religious person. Um, but I do believe in a higher power today. And, and, and I took that letter and I took it and I read it and I threw it in the corner of my cell. And my first thoughts was like, I don't, I don't need God. I need a lawyer. I need to get the hell out of this situation, you know? And, um, and it took me a couple days, uh, just sitting there out of boredom with nothing to do. And all I had in my cell was the Bible. Um, and that's the only thing that follows you around through your whole prison sentence. And the only thing that they can't really take away is your religious item. So I had this Bible there, never opened it up, um, only used it as like an address book for guys that were like being released. And I wrote their names down and phone numbers down. And, and it was like my address book. And, um, and it was, it took me around two or three days uh, when eventually um, I decided to pick it up uh, just straight out of boredom. And I turned to Psalm 91, uh, which states, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my shelter and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And as, as soon as I read those words, a stamp fell out of my Bible. A stamp fell out of my Bible, and it was a stamp that I needed to send out the message and, and tell my family about the whole situation. And I felt some, some sort of hope. I felt some sort of... Um, uh, I don't know. I felt like there was a presence and I felt chills run down my body when that happened. And, and I, and I just began re reading. I, re I read the whole Bible while I was there. And, and we just started understanding that I was not only affecting my son and my family, but I was affecting the thousands of people that I sold drugs to. And I started realizing they had families as well that were being affected by the, the stuff that I was doing to their loved ones. And so, for the first time I prayed and I said, how, how can I get back? How can I get back for all the wrongdoings I've done in my life? Um, how can I, you know, get back into society and get back? And, and, and the idea of Combody came from there. Um, I, I wrote out basically my whole workout routine in that cell and wrote out a, uh, fake mini business plan. Um, and then I was released from that prison a year later. And 
And I, I just started doing what I wrote. And that was my turning point. That's a, man, that's a, is a, a powerful story. Um, and, and that moment where the stamp falls out, what, what did you decide in that moment? How did you feel in that very moment? I know you mentioned that you felt some hope, but what went through your head in that moment? Did you think to yourself, like, this is a sign from God or did you, uh, just think, wow, this is a, an incredible coincidence. I did. I did feel like it was a song from God, some sort of way. Um, I don't know. I was so in this cell I was in. There's no AC, no fan. I was in. I was in there in the middle of summer, and it, it was over 100 degrees, and you know, just literally stand there and just sweat. And um, my water and my sink is coming out green. Um, I, I literally drank toilet water because uh, that is pretty much the only option. Um, and, and and just like every time I began reading the Bible, I felt like there's I don't know this sense of coolness. I felt like I was it was seventy degrees in front of a beach, you know. And I felt like I was free. Um, and I'm not here like pushing any like religion to you, but this this is exact. This is what happened to me. Yeah, I think sharing your experience is is really important. I think there there's such a, the piece that I find really interesting that I think a lot of people, uh, both religious and non-religious, miss is that moment when the stamp falls out, and any moment in our life when we have something like that happen. It may not be that dramatic, but we have something like that happen. To believe that it's a higher power, to believe that it's uh, God, to believe that it's something of that nature is a choice. We choose to believe that. We can choose to see it as coincidence. We can choose to see it as happenstance, or we can choose to see it as um, as divinity, as grace, as whatever the word is that you want to describe it. Yeah. But we can choose to believe that it's uh, that it's part of some greater plan. And I think a lot of people on both sides, uh, religious or not religious, miss that element, that belief, that faith is a choice that we make. And it's a choice that we have to continue making if it's a value of ours. Yeah. Correct. And so in that moment, you chose to, to believe that it was um, a higher power. You chose to believe that it was, you know, God speaking to you and, and we could kind of walk through all of those steps that came from that, that produced Convody and the success that you've had from that. Yeah. So what's unique about Convody? I mean, obviously the, the origin story is phenomenally unique, but what's unique about the business, the program, the stuff that you offer? I mean, our, our main mission and goal is, is, um, is to hire as many people coming out of the prison system possible and and ha have them become trainers uh you know i'm fully staffed the whole gym with somebody with all the people that's been in the system and giving them a second opportunity but also just really changing the the mentality and views of how young professionals who come and work out with us um have always seen somebody that with a criminal history you know media has always displayed us as locked up caged animals and predators and killers and all this negative uh denotation 
And it, and and once these individuals that never have met anybody that's been incarcerated meet us, they feel like they've been lied to for the rest of it. Like they've been lied by media. And, um, and, and they see that we're just regular old human beings that they could hang out with after class, that they could, you know, chill with and, and just people that committed mistakes and that we're actually good people. You know, I don't, I don't believe anybody's coming out of the womb with a knife, you know, or ready to, you know, be a psychopath. You know what I mean? I think everything is learned and taught behaviors um, and, and things are implemented by social circumstances. And, and I, and I do, ha- I do believe that people have some psychological and their, you know, therapeutic issues. Um, but I don't think anybody's coming out and like, is being a, a psychopath straight from birth. Um, and, and so that's, that's my mentality in life. And that's what we try to approach. And in, in terms of like the workout tip, we, we just take it back to the basics and, and, and we, we tell people you basically like your body is your temple. It could sound cliche, but like everything you need, you have, you know, uh, we don't even work out with shoes, uh, in our gym. Um, and it's all, all body weight. It's extremely, it's, I'm not going to say it's extremely hard, but it's hard. Um, but it's doable for everybody because we set a high bar, but, uh, we just ask the, the people that are coming in to try to keep up with the trainer. Uh, and, and in prison, we, we took it to the next level. We pushed our bodies to a different level and, and, and did not stop moving. Yeah, I love the deeper vision that it's not just about the people that you're serving in terms of clients, but it's also about who you're hiring and the business you're building around those folks and helping others in society see and get a sense of what it what it really means to be, um, you know, be a convict, to be somebody that's coming out of the prison system. Did when you came out of the system, did you at any point try to apply for jobs? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went and knocked on every single door you could probably think of on 34th Street or Times Square area. Like I was just looking for a basic retail job. Um, and on the and what was your experience doing that? It was, uh, it was frustrating. Um, cause I would, and I would see signs like help wanted on, on front of that window. And I, I went in there professionally wore suit, like I, I did, you know, had a cover letter, a resume, all the stuff. Uh, but every time I sat down and they made me like fill out applications right inside the store, the top of the line always said, you know, first name, last name. And the second line was, have you ever been convicted of a criminal record or, or a felony? And, um, and I had to check that box, you know, and, and I remember I would hand the application over to like the store manager and and they'll be like, oh, we're going to call you back. But I, I would see them just look at that, you know, top of the application and and their body language, you know, read different, differently, you know. And But I just kept going. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I mean, because there's got to be an element of you that when you see that happen, you want to be able to explain to them. You want to be able to get in their head and explain and show them like – Hey, I'm a good person. I'm a good worker. I can do all this stuff. You know, don't, don't put everything in that, that second line. 
don't judge me, you know, based on that second line, give me a chance. Like, I'm sure all of that's going through your head and you're wanting so badly to communicate that to those people. What do you do with that? I mean, at, at that point, when you're handing in the application, like uh, in New York, uh, especially in the Midtown area, like it's, it's just so busy. So they're just looking at it. They look at you and then they look at that top line and they like keep going, you know? And so for the, uh, it, it's hard to like, I, I couldn't at those times said, and I don't want to be disrespectful and take over the time. Um, you know, so I had to basically just deal with the fact. And, and there was a couple of times where I actually lied on the application and got the first interview. And then they found out that I lied on the application about my criminal history. And, and, uh, and then they asked me why I did our lie. Um, but it was giving me that first opportunity to tell them and try to explain. Uh, and, and so I was denied because of that. And so it's, it's like a catch 22, you know, if I didn't lie, I'm not going to get accepted. If I did lie, at least I get an interview and get in front of them and hopefully, you know, I could explain, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. Um, and I, I mean, I, I was making a little bit of money, like through my training and just started doing stuff in the park, you know, and, and like born out of desperation, I was just making money. So uh, my company does research on social issues. Um, and one of the spaces that we've done some research is in the justice system, specifically to juvenile justice. Um, and so all of the things that you're talking about, and you, I'm sure, know this, but some of the listeners may not, all the things that you're talking about are, are what are called collateral consequences. So you have your term that you serve. And a lot of the public looks at that and they say, well, that's the the punishment, right? You, you know, you did the crime, you do the punishment. Once your punishment's done, then you get to move on with your life. But it's not really the case because there are all these collateral consequences, right? I mean, you spent from the age of, you know, 13 uh, on, you know, until, I don't know, 20 or so kind of in and out of the system, serving your time and doing what you needed to do. Uh, but once your time's done, it's not like your sentence is really over because to your point, that's always on your record. And now there's all sorts of restrictions and different things that, that you have to abide by. Um, and there's all these social consequences, like the fact that when you apply for a job, it shows up, even though, you know, we're hearing your whole story and, and the changes that you made and the, the mindset that you developed. And yet that doesn't show up on a job application. Yeah. Yeah. So when when does the 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 real drive to create Conbody start? When does it actually hit you that okay this this whole job thing is going to be you know is just going to be brutal? It's going to be uh, disappointing. It's going to be disheartening. It's going to be frustrating. Um, I've got this Conbody idea. When does that really take shape? And you say you know what, I can, I can run with this. I can, I can turn this into something. Uh, I mean, I, I, I did a day one. Um, as soon as I came out, I was the next morning I, I got up, I just started doing it in the park and just started sharing uh, my idea to people in the neighborhood because I went right back into the same neighborhood. And some people, you know, I was just approaching like, yo, I'm doing this workout over here. If you want to come join, blah, blah, blah. 
uh, and, and people thought I was crazy because I was like, I'm branding it like prison or stuff. And, um, and a lot, or a few people told me like, yeah, this is not going to work. And like, yeah, I was just like, it's going to blow up. Like, I know it's going to work. And, and, and alongside, like I would do my training in the morning, I would do a training in the evening, but during the day I was like job hunting and, and just going through seeking nonprofits, um, you know, and asking for help through other nonprofits that work in the criminal justice field. Well, and, and you did that. I mean, so people may have thought you were crazy, but you really did brand your whole business um, around con- conviction, being a convict. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even your, your tagline there is uh, do the time, right? Yeah. So you're talking about fitness, but the, the tagline is this do the time, which I think is, is awesome, right? Because when it comes to fitness, you got to put in the time. Uh, and obviously it aligns with being a convict and having had done time as well. Um, so you have all these naysayers, these people saying, you know, this is a, this is a bad idea. Nobody's going to want to come work out with convicts. How do you get past that? Um, I don't know. I was, I was just very optimistic. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really have anything to lose. And, and so back in the day uh, when I was dealing drugs, I changed the way people sold drugs. I made 10,000 business cards. I had it, I had a, like a professional drug dealing type of business. And so I used the same techniques. I went, made 10,000 10, business cards and started going up to people uh, a lot of females wearing yoga pants and just started approaching them and pitching them and letting them know. And it was just random people. I would see a, a, somebody running down a block and I would run right beside them and, you know, have and be like, Hey, excuse me. And have them take off their headphones and, you know, start a conversation there and, uh, hand them a card, you know, and try to get them to follow me on, on social media platforms. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what happened. So you just got out and you hustled. I mean, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, right? You just got out and you and you hustled and you drummed up business through. Yeah. Uh, what I think is is cool about that is, and I talk a lot to a lot of veterans that are coming out of military service. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that they struggle with is being able to translate the experience that they had in the military now to kind of civilian life. And I imagine that um, there's a, a similar experience when you've you know, spent time in the prison system coming out and being able to actually translate what that experience was to now, you know, being out in society. Um, and yet there's always some sort of alignment. So even though your previous venture was, you know, nefarious to, to say something about it, um, there were still elements of it that, that could be aligned or that you could leverage just in a more meaningful and positive way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't know I just uh, I was my, my my mentality and and still today is like just keep showing up keep showing up and and eventually everything's gonna work out um and and I, and I mean there was times where I was doing these classes at like six in the morning and I just like had that optimistic mentality and I would show up and then sometimes nobody would show up <laughs> um, yeah and we and we've been like and I've been like documenting my my story uh, with a famous Academy Award director who's been following me around with a camera for four and a half years now. Um, we have over like three hundred hours of footage, um, 
but we're we're looking to just redisplay uh, the struggle of somebody being hopeful, not wanting to go out, and and the the, the obstacles and the barriers that I had to face to start a business, and and then just. The, and then describing the stories of the people that I hire and, and their issues and parole and shelter issues and all this, you know, stuff that they had to deal with. And so it became, uh, it, it's been a, a community um, and we've been like piggybacking off each other. If anything goes wrong, we have somebody to call. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think there are probably a lot of people listening that might have this perspective that, well, you kind of got past the worst. Um, but that's not really, I mean, that's not really how life works, right? I mean, yeah, you maybe got past one really difficult challenge, but it's not like there's not going to be another one that surfaces and it may not have uh, to do with probably. incarceration or the system, but, uh, but there's always going to be something that surfaces along the way, some new challenge or difficulty. Yeah. I mean, as, as I grew the business, I've made mistakes. I've, paid expensive prices for him um and and uh i mean it's, it's and it's really stressful sometimes you know i uh i try to not stress um but things show up and you're like it's above my control and i, I feel like for me uh my mentality is just uh, when those things happen I, I try to like just recite the serenity prayer you know, like God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So if it's way above my control and I can't do anything about it, I have to just deal with it and and know that everything is temporary. You know, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. Well, and that's huge to put that focus on what you can control. Uh, it's so easy to to get in this space where we're trying to control a whole bunch of stuff that at the end of the day is just out of our control. There's no way we can actually do anything about it. Um, but being able to center your mind and your effort and your energy toward those things that you really can control. And to your point with the serenity prayer, uh, being able to actually evaluate and, and figure out what are those things, the things that I can control and the things that I can't so that I can put my energy and focus toward the most meaningful things. Yeah. Exactly. So, so this program, Conbody, uh, you started it obviously based on your experience in prison. Um, you kept the program basic, simple, uh, things that you can do anywhere, and it works, right? I mean, you've had personal success with it. It's not like you, uh, you know, were just always this like super fit dude, um, and you know, prison just to helped you become more fit. Uh, it, the, the programs actually work. You've had personal experience in, in how much of an impact it can have on health and fitness, right? Exactly. I mean, I, I lost a lot of weight um, doing the exact same workouts that, that I've implemented in our program today. Um, and I, I've seen a whole bunch of success stories of our clients coming in and losing a lot of weight or just reaching their, their, their fitness goals in terms of wanting to get more toned and, um, you know, increase their uh, uh, stamina and push-ups and all those other type of cardio type of exercises. Um, I mean, and, and I, I believe, you know, it's not like we have a, the secret sauce of working out. You know, I think uh, the number one thing is, is, is our tagline. It's just do the time. 
you know, it doesn't matter where you go, what you do, it's, it's just get out there and just commit some time to yourself and, and just get moving. Yeah. Well, I love that. And when you say you lost a lot of weight, you didn't say the number, but I mean, you lost like 70 pounds, right? Yep. Yep. I went from 231 to 160. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, oh yeah, you know, he, he did this and he lost, you know, 10 pounds. Uh, it, it was like legit weight. I mean, you lost half a person. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and, and I love the, the, idea of keeping it basic and simple and just getting people out there to do the time. Right. It's, I think sometimes fitness is like this, you've got to do it, uh, you know, this really complicated thing and you've got to do it, you know, three hours a day for seven days a week to see results. Like it's always this big thing or it's this like new gimmick. It's this new product. It's this new thing. Uh, and so people are always trying to do that. And yet you're saying, look, you just got to get out. You just got to get out. You got to start doing some stuff. You got to get active. You got to do it consistently. You got to, you know, put in the time. Um, but it doesn't have to be gimmicky and, and crazy, right? Yeah. And I think what uh, people love about us is just that it's, it's not, and we don't, we don't play on a vanity play. Um, a, lot, a lot of people, uh, that come to us and and i felt the same way when i was doing my market research and i went to like barry's and soul cycle and you know all these other fitness studios um and all you see is like hot models some people like wearing makeup before class and they're getting on and i just felt like there was no sense of community and i felt like i was incarcerated and and uh and i felt like the person next to me looked better than me and i was you know it was just a whole vanity play and what we've done is just like just real deal no frills you know get down dirty and and just have fun and and just you know be who you are you know accept how you look and and we don't we don't have like fancy locker rooms where you stick a, where you put a number code on a, on a locker. It's just, we don't even, we tell our clients don't use uh, locks on our lockers. Um, we tell people trust the ex-con, which is stuff. Uh, and, it, it's, and it feels like freedom. And a lot of people come in there, they, they leave their cell phones, their wallets and leave all their stuff. And thank God, I mean, we, we've had no, situation when anybody has gotten anything stolen or uh and it, and it became a more free community and trustworthy community yeah well and with that sense of community i mean it's more likely that people are going to stick with it right yep well so what comes next for you i mean you've got con body up and going and you've gotten a, a ton of media attention with your story uh what comes next for con body what comes next for cause uh, I mean, we're, we're doing a lot, uh, right, right now I'm like raising, uh, funds to, uh, open up a couple more spots. I'm actually opening up another spot in London. It's going to be like our first international space. Uh, and then, and then an online component, you know, so we build this online platform where we could virtually work out with your, we call it, we say work out with your favorite ex-con for $5 a month, uh, using no equipment, simple no, you don't even need expensive sneakers to even work out with because we work out with no shoes. Um, and, and so it's basically, you know, using your own body weight in a small little constrained space and, and we'll, we'll help you get that prison body you've always desired. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you've got this online piece coming out. You've got the spot opening up in London. Uh, where'd the no shoes thing come from? 
and so I just started doing more research on uh, and so on in the box uh, when I was in the box I, I didn't have my they took away my sneakers uh, and I had boots and it was really hard to work out with boots and then I just started realizing that I don't really need anything and I could do the workouts barefoot um, if I land light on my feet it's not going to be painful and actually I uh, started reading research about like working out barefoot. You actually work out more muscles, and and the muscles that are coming up from the, the bottom of your feet are actually uh, working up your muscles up towards your legs and your upper body. And so, and then on top of that, we uh, uh, I, I I did it as a sanitary issue too, because uh, you know you go to the gym and and people are always walking out in the streets and especially the streets of New York City are, are extremely dirty. And then you walk into the gym and you're doing all these exercises with your sneakers and people putting their hands on the floor and all this other stuff. So um, just keeping the floor clean, working out more muscle and just keeping it simple and, and a, a less barrier to entry. Um, so you don't, it's, it's cheaper than running outside. I love it. It reminds me of, this is totally random, but it reminds me when I did a uh, microbiology class in college, we did these Petri dishes. Uh, and so at one point we went and we swabbed like random stuff around the the university to see what it would grow in a Petri dish. And some people, you know, did like urinals and all this nasty stuff. And I just like swabbed the bottom of my shoe yeah. and put it put it into this petri dish oh, and wow. the next week yeah the next week when we came back to class my petri dish was like way worse than anybody else's uh, and all i did was you know swab the bottom of my shoe uh but to your point yeah like that's carrying a ton of crap into your gym yeah. uh and like you said you know you're putting your hands in your face and your body uh but so i never thought about it from that that perspective that's an interesting one i love it well, so where can people, where can people, I mean, obviously people can go to conbody.com. Uh, where else can they go to kind of follow your journey, to see your upcoming stuff, get access to the online classes and, and app and stuff that you'll be coming out with? Yeah. I mean, they, they can all find that on conbody.com. You can uh, follow us on Instagram and DM us any question. We're pretty responsive uh, on C on conbody, C-O-N-B-O-D-Y. And uh, we also have a, a Snapchat show called Prison Hacks. Um, you know, good watch that. Uh, we're, we're getting like 10 to 30 million views per episode, uh, which is a huge deal. And, and, and we are getting a lot of attention behind that where we're displaying different stories of how we hacked our, uh, our way inside the system, uh, in terms of like, we got really creative and, and we wanted to just share the ingenuity and the innovation, um, on the Snapchat show, uh, it's showing that we are smart individuals. We actually build a tattoo gun out of a CD player. We uh, made prison wine. Uh, we, you know, the females inside the prison system made their makeup uh, using no makeup, um, you know, and things of that nature. And just how to how to how we were uh, deprived from all this stuff, but found some way to make it out and be creative and. And and, and, and and rechanging that whole perspective of how you view somebody that's been incarcerated. That's awesome. I love, I just love that kind of creative element and the ingenuity that goes behind some of those things. I'm going to have to definitely check out that prison hack show. Yeah. And what's the, what's the Instagram account? Uh, Con body. 
C-O-N-B-O-D-Y. Um, All right. So it's conbody.com and then at conbody for Instagram uh, and then prison hacks yep. for Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah. And we also on conbody on, on, on Snapchat and Facebook and Twitter. Um, as well. All right. So anything con body, people exactly. will be able to find you. Exactly. And my personal stuff is so, my full name all across the board. C-O-S-S, Marte, Cos Marte. Awesome. And, and when we post the uh, the podcast, folks, we'll include uh, some links and, and things there so that you'll be able to access Cos's stuff easily. So if you're going to leave people with one kind of tidbit, what would be the, the big piece of advice you give people? Um. I think I, I spoke about this throughout the show. Just uh, everything is temporary. Everything's going to be okay. Um, no matter what situation that you're, you're in, uh, it's going to eventually, uh, things shall pass. Um, uh, and and you wake up. It, the, try not to do anything uh, out of necessity um, in terms of doing anything negative. Um, you know, I speak a, a lot inside the prison system and, and a lot of guys, you know, tell me like, oh, I couldn't find a job. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. So I had to go rob somebody. Um, but I tell them like, did you wake up? Did you have a meal? Did you have clothes behind your back? And they're like, yes, yes, yes. Then you were fine, you know? Um, and, and, and that's, and that's how I try to ex- explain that, you know, try to, just show up, deliver, and everything's going to be okay. My, I feel I, I tell people my mom is one of the most successful people on this planet that I know who works out with us. She's 64, four times a week. Um, she's a beast, but she only makes $12 an hour uh, as a home health aide. She wakes up. She cooks the best food that she that I've ever eaten because she makes it at home. And, uh, and, and wears that whatever she wants and, you know, has a little bit of money at the end of the day to take a trip, you know, to a beach sometimes or, you know, just hang out with the family. And I think that's, that's real success. Absolutely. My friend, man, I love, I love your story. I love your suggestions, your tips. I love the vision that you have, the values that you're, uh, that you're demonstrating the example that you're setting. I love it all. So folks, check out Cosmarte, uh, check out Con Body, go check out Prison Hacks. He's got some awesome stuff out there. Excited to see the the slot open up in London. Excited to see your stuff online come out. Um, and and really appreciate having you on the podcast today, Cos. No, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. All right, my friends, this has been another episode of The Art of Strategic Reaction with Cos Marte as our guest and Con Body. We will catch you on the next episode.